Thanks to Cry and Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back. How's your week been? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I actually had a... a might make mention, because I did have a, a couple of new beers, uh, beers that I hadn't tried before, a couple that have been around for a little while that I thought were worth mentioning. Uh, one, Mismatch Brewing. I don't know if you've had much to do with Mismatch. I've um, had the the Gabs beer this year, which I was very impressed with, something a little, a little bit funky, a little bit different, uh, but hadn't sort of tried the main <laughs> stuff. And working, of course, alongside uh, well, your, your good self uh, up at the Ecker, Bumped into uh, young Sam Shelton, who looks after who's wrapping the beers. Yep. Yeah, and I thought, oh, and found them in my little local IGA uh, out in the eastern suburbs, which is very unusual. Um, and had the session yeast, uh, the session yeast, the session ale, um, and very, very impressed. A good, solid, um, you know, four percent or thereabouts, uh, cracking session ale. So I thought I'd just throw a shout out. Well, there you go. Nice one. Mm. Anything else you've tried? Uh, there was, there was. Oh, I, I, um, I can't remember if we mentioned it, um, but the the dog days um, summer ale from Little Creatures in the in the can. Okay, listeners, you're going to hear a reprise of that because we've done this yeah. intro and outro out of order. Um, yeah, and, uh, I couldn't remember whether it was for next week's <laughs> or for this week's, but I might have got away with it. Uh, and the other one too. Um, massive shout out. Uh, I think possibly one of the better ones, the Hoppy Doppelbock, which is the latest in the Calador release series under the watchful eye of Andrew Twiddell up at Four Pines. That was Absolute on my list as well, yeah. monstrous cracker. Um, very, very impressed with, um, you know, Hoppy, Doppelbock, you know, almost, um, you know, oxymoron. The way that they've managed to combine those two elements and still get something that's beautifully balanced, a little bit of subtlety, as well as a bit of complexity, um, I thought, and wrapped up in I think about a seven percent ABV. Mm. Um, absolutely, it, it was Moorish and refreshing, and it was just an absolute cracker. So well done to them. But on it, that was on my list. Um, just on that, you know, when once you start putting that many hops into a beer like a Doppelbock, and a, and a Doppelbock is a malt-driven uh, lager beer, so it's, it's really about the malt. The hops are there, but not really. Um, in, in, in a powerful way, certainly not in an aromatic sense. You know, I, I found myself drinking it and thinking, well, you know, it's a doppelbock, but this is really all about the hops and the, uh, the, the malt is really there as a cushion for the hops. You know, it, it's there as a bed for the hops to lie upon. Um, but it stops being... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I saw it the other way. I saw it as a, as a beautiful platform from which the hops could sing. Okay. Okay, but it, a, a cushion, which you know, like a safety net kind of—is that what you're getting at? Or well, it is, but it, 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 it you know, uh, uh, once you start putting a, you know, some a real another star in 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 over a box where, where the malt is yeah, there, yeah. but it's not—it's no longer the star. Um, you, you've never heard of a duet, Matt? Yeah, I, I have, but then yeah. it's not. But but, uh, but but that's where the thing, you know, a, a duet is a duet, whereas a a bock is a solo. Well, duh. Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a solo performer. So, as you know, you, you can't have, you know, you either have Sonny and Cher or you have Cher. 
<laughs> you know, you, you can't... Once you've got Sonny in the picture, you no longer share things. Um, and whether you know, once you start layering that many hops into a in, into a style that is purely a solo act, can you know, aren't you fundamentally changing that style? And you know that that the the, the Doppelbock name becomes a little bit irrelevant. So you're shit canning it? No, not. I loved it. I, I loved it as a beer, but I was oh, just that's right. it, it, well, that's, yeah. It, it, it was Let's just, leave it at that then. But it was just talking about um, what a style is, and you know when, when you call it a name. Um, can, can you just add a shitload of hops to a malt-driven style and s- still reference it? Well, I guess if you, you you could contrast it or compare it with the Mad Brewers series under the James Squire or the Malt Shovel uh, label a little while back, the, the first of their Mad Brewers series, I think it was, which was the Hoppy Hef, um, which I thought was probably a misnomer um, because it wasn't... From memory, it was an American wheat ale rather than a, a true Hef. Um, which was then hopped. And and that one I kind of thought didn't quite – it wasn't as stylish as this particular one. So I think I think it's something that can be done, but I think there's perhaps a judicious use of of your of your hops um, and, and making sure you balance that out with, with the nice. And that very – to me, what the Doppelbock had was a, that very, I guess, uh, traditional uh, German – malt character versus your you know your sweeter caramel chocolate into coffee and roasty uh of the english malt driven beers whereas this one was uh, i found a beautiful rich uh but clean bready biscuity malt mm. and look yeah i mean we've gotten off on a discussion about style but it was a beautiful beer and i fully agree with you it was just one of the things i'd mused on and uh, i'd recently read stephen beaumont uh, our friend uh, Canadian beer writer um, who wrote on his Facebook page recently, a beer style is an informal agreement between a brewer and a drinker expressed via the label by which the former tells the latter roughly what sort of beer they are going to buy. Um, and, and I guess if you, t- if you come from that point of view, and, and I quite agreed with that, um, that uh, thought of musing on beer style. And yeah, so if you see a hoppy doppelbock, You've got a pretty good idea. They, they delivered exactly on that. Um, so if you came to it expecting a hoppy doppelbock, that was exactly what they delivered, in which case, uh, yeah, I, I should just shut up because that's what they did. And uh, Dare I say, it did what it said on the label. Exactly. exactly. So, yes, so they lived up to their end of the bargain. Um, yep. <laughs> one that I haven't tried this week but is certainly on the tasting table uh, for this week um, as I unpack my – actually, I've got to send a couple of bottles of wine too for some bizarre reason um, – I won't be reviewing those, but uh, I'll be cooking with those. But um, uh, did you get sent any summer bright lager, Prof? No. Apparently, it's quite a big story while I was away that um, summer bright lager has Forex uh, summer bright lager has been repackaged. Forex um, is very very small on the label these days. Um, it, where it used to be Forex summer bright lager. Yeah, summer now bright lager. summer bright yeah. lager. From Forex. By Forex. Um, yeah. <laughs> At the side of the mouth. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like... So Forex, um, which introduced the Summer Bright Lager as a line extension to the Forex brand, which is a big thing when you think about it. Forex Gold is, depending on what day of the week, um, the either the biggest or the second biggest uh, brand um, in the country. Um, 
and you don't just bring out a, a, a line extension without much um, thought to it. So they brought out the Summer Bright Lager um, about six or seven years ago. And if you think of Corona that hasn't uh, got jet lag, um, very, very similar. It seemed to do quite well. And then 18 months or two years later, CUB brought out the beer from up here, uh, Great Northern, which for reasons that you can't quite understand, um, has just completely taken over. Two beers are very, very similar. Um, Great Northern has just exploded, particularly in Queensland. I'm not sure what it's like down there, Prof. Um, uh, no, don't we, you don't really see it. Yeah. Maybe well, it, not, not in the circles in which I travel. Not in the circle. Okay. So, well, you go out to Roma, um, you go out west, and it is just a beer everyone's drinking. But it's also a you know, very, very popular um, you know, refresher for people who, for whom beer is merely uh, you know, unthinking drinking and uh, a refreshment. That's not an insult. That's just people who don't spend no, as no. much time thinking about beer as, as we do. And, it, and it's probably not unkind to suggest that it's a beer designed specifically like Corona for people who like to be seen to be drinking beer but don't necessarily like the taste of beer. Yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of which, so the, 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 apart from 4X being a much smaller part and the, the, the big rebranding, um, so it's all about summer, the media release actually caught my eye because they've, they've brought out a lime and a mango variant. So apparently fruit beers, mm. uh, fruit beers are huge. They're, they're, they're big um, in Europe at the moment, including in Germany. But the media release um, talks about how they tested a bunch of quintessentially summer flavours and mango is a clear favourite. The result is an exceptionally easy drinking, low bitterness beer blended with a clean and fresh mango flavour. It is a sweet finish and is 4%. So... You know, it really is targeted at people who just want a little bit of alcohol and, you know, not too much uh, yeah, else, a bit of refreshment, a bit of summer. Yeah, and mango almost seems to be, yeah, I guess more acceptable. Like it's, it's, it's not too fruity or, um, or, or uh, overpowering. Yeah. So you're not getting too much flavour, but it's not, you know. I don't know. So, Good luck, so they've got the line. But the thing that I found very interesting was they made the comment in the media release, the Australian-flavoured beer segment currently accounts for 15 million litres, um, about a quarter of the size of craft, and is growing at 25% versus a year ago. Globally, the segment is better represented uh, and accounts for 2.6 billion litres and is predicted to grow ahead of category at 6.3%. Um, which I found, again, a couple of things out of that, um, that it's growing and we are going to see a lot more of it as the big brewers certainly target, um, you know, people who are looking for these styles of beers. And we, we've talked in at, at length in the past how beer as a category is declining, both for health reasons, but also as uh, culinary flavours generally change. I mean, uh, you know, moving away from challenging flavours uh, such as bitterness to less challenging flavours such as sweetness, um, you know, soft drinks are more prevalent. So, so beer is finding it harder and harder to get traction. Um, and yet when you've got a business that sells beer, you need to keep moving units. And so that, this seems to be targeting that. But no, I, I was amazed that um, you know, for all of the work and thought and effort that we put into craft beer, um, something that is really a blip on the radar is already a quarter of the size of the entire um, craft beer market. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we're mm. in the wrong business, Prof. Oh, I'm sticking where I'm sticking. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy here. I'm never. I'm not a dedicated follower of fashion. Well, that and, and that's what I come back to. You know, if, if you like these beers, half your luck because it's a hedonistic pursuit, not an intellectual one. Drink what you enjoy. 
But at the same time, I have never heard anybody say, gee, I got into this brewing game because I tried Forex Summer Bright Lager and I thought, gee, I would love to make this at home or, gee, this is where I see my life going making this beer. Yeah, or innovation. Like I could add mango to this and really change the category. Exactly. Yeah. Even our good friends who work for the big houses of beer, and we have a lot of good friends, whenever they talk about these beers, it's almost with that sort of sense of apology. <laughs> you know, or, or, or that sense a, of a little. self-justifying. Oh, they're really hard to make because, you know, there's so little flavour um, and, and, and they're spot on. So, yeah, so they're, they're not exactly beers that inspired anybody as much pleasure as people have got out of them um, around the barbecue or around the pool on a weekend. No, that's right. But talk us through today's guest. Well, today we've got uh, courtesy of Dermot Dowling, who's one of our no, no, EPs. No, 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 no. No, it's not, uh, isn't it? No, it's uh, Dave. Oh, is it? Yeah, remember. Oh, good day, Dave. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay, yeah, I've got it now. I'll cut right, you on. Do you want me to cut this out yeah. or will we... Uh... Yeah. Hey, do you know who we're talking to today, Matt? It's interesting you ask. <laughs> we're talking to Dave Phillips from Dave's Brewery Tours, who's um, very slowly, just one beer at a time, taking over the world. Um really one of these guys, I guess, who you, you have a beer with Dave and the first couple of sips, uh, you go, geez, this guy's full on. And then after a while, he kind of, I won't say he grows on you, but you realise that the passion is is almost uncontainable. Like it's, uh, he, he, and, and, it, and it tends to, by the end of the, the first round, he's rubbed off on you and, and you, you, you're keen and you're ready to, to get out there and, uh, um, and see what you can do in that in that uh, arena. So really looking forward to having a chat with Dave um, and some of his uh, learning about some of his new projects, uh, as well as what he's got um, on the on the what the balls he's juggling already. Well, on that introduction, let's talk to Dave. I suppose uh, for um, interested beer people or the beer industry, you know we've been sort of came onto the scene three years ago when we started those brew tours and, and previous to that I was um, you know like a lot of people a disenchanted and um, disgruntled corporate employee um, running a, an engineering business and I'd, I'd just returned from a five-year stint in Bangkok where we were running the doing some engineering stuff up there and um, I just uh, was just unhappy I just wanted, I, I guess I wanted to do something else with my life. Um, and um, I guess I'd come across beer, or, or let's call it craft, some two decades ago when Little Creatures uh, was starting in, in Fremantle. I'm a West Australian boy and I was travelling back and forth to, to Fremantle and I found myself sort of gravitating towards this big shed on the water there and, and not really sort of not being into beer at the time but enjoying my beer I really got a kick out of being in a production environment and uh, and obviously sampling good beer and and I just thought to myself I don't know what these dudes are doing but they're doing something good and they just it just feels good you know and um, and then you know all these years later um, I was running in Bangkok I used to run sort of uh, you know like a, a glorified men's networking um, event once a month where I just organise a different group of local and expat businessmen and, and women to get together and have a lunch. And these two American guys came to me and said, oh, can we can we bring some of our craft beer to this event? And I thought, 
up to Hell's Craft Beer. Um, you know, not linking it to my previous experience with creatures all those years ago. And and they bought this, they bought Rogue, some Rogue and Anderson Valley to this event, and and it just sort of blew everyone's head off in terms of the flavour profile. And we thought, shit, this is this is beer, you know. And uh, and uh, they've gone on to do great things, importing beer, um, you know, cold importing into Asia, and and uh, and then so when I came back to Australia, I, I just thought, wow, we've got to got to keep an eye on this beer stuff and and obviously with the the glorious power of the internet i was able to sort of work out where all our breweries were and um organized a bunch of blokes and and uh, probably after far too many beers we all thought that it was a good idea to do tours and um and off we went so yeah that's um i don't know if that's probably a long-winded roundabout beer centric way of explaining who i am but i guess that's that's who i am and you've gone into the uh an element of Beer, other than the, the the brewing route, most of the people that we speak to are tend to be brewers. So you, you, you've got no interest in becoming a brewery owner or a bar owner yourself. Oh, look, mate. I, I think um, I've I've had the um, I've had the beneficial insight of being now being getting getting an understanding of 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 brewing and and the brewing industry and the people behind it the challenges behind it in some of the other businesses that we've got involved in and um it's it's helped me form my view of what i want to do in this space um i i would be lying if i said i haven't gone through an, an oscillation of definitely wanting to have my own stainless steel and my own brand and then back down again to definitely not no way why would you anyone want to do that to back up again and i'm probably where i'm at on that cycle i'm probably uh, i would say partially heading back towards positive on on being involved in some way shape or form but um you know i just i, I just love i love the people that are involved in this space and i love i love understanding some of those businesses a lot like prof you know he gets gets inside probably you know you get inside the psyche of the people that are running this this industry and and a, and a part of it and it's just infectious and you just want to do it not sure whether i want to do it in my own um or on my own but um yeah i, I sort of see opportunities around that and be able to be part of that rising tide that lifts all our boats not necessarily owning stainless steel of our own yeah, and I think too, there's a lot to be said for um, it's like I'm I'm quite happy, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably the same. Um, particularly when you you visit breweries, I'm quite happy to leave the heavy lifting to uh, to those guys. Um, but but you're right, it's it's kind of, um, and I guess this is where um, I see your brewery tours are sort of hitting a, a spot that um, that is like. I guess a, a niche in the market um, and a need or a want um, is that. It's not just the beer; it's the it's the personalities, it's the creativity behind the guys behind the beer. Um, that you know, you've got the technical and the science sort of guys, and the real geeky sort of things. But then you've got the other guys who you know handcraft musical instruments, or who you know uh, play the banjo, or uh, you know are, are artists in their own right. You know, outside of beer, and I think that's what really um, really attracts me to it. You know, and, and that's what we've seen in terms of, of the tours. You know, we can probably, you know, categorise our, our beer explorers into a couple of key veins. And, and one of them is people that definitely want to know about, you know, get really behind the scenes. And that's what we pitch and that's what we do. And that's what we've become known for. 
they really want to know how does all that stuff work, you know, and, and they want to, and, and they're either because they have aspirations or they have inspiration to go and do something on their own or they're just technically minded and interested. And then there was people who want to understand um, about the creativity, you know, the, the more creative of their own, in their own, in their own beings. Uh, and they want to, they want to learn a little bit of technical stuff, but they want to taste more. And then you've got people that just want to have a fun time, uh, you know, um, and they're just there for a, a curated uh, day out or an afternoon out and to be taken to some really cool places and be shown some stuff that they may not have easy access to ordinarily. So, you know, it, it, yeah. it's definitely something that cuts across a wide spectrum of people um, and appeals to a wide spectrum of people. And whilst I think beer tourism is, is, is definitely niche, you know, it's... Um, it's what helped us put us where we are. You know, I would have no chance of being involved in some of the projects that we've got on outside of brewery tours if I hadn't have taken the risk and said, yeah, I want to do tours and that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been an absolute amazing springboard into some other really cool stuff. Yeah, which we'll um, we'll get to talking about in a sec, but before we do, Matt and I uh, often, <laughs> I guess, get lumped with the, uh, the joy of having to cart children around, uh, you know, when we're on holidays and that sort of thing, visiting breweries. And we know uh, that looking at stainless steel can very quickly become uh, very same, same. And, and uh, well, let's, let's face it, a bit boring. So what else do mm. the brewery tours offer? Um, like, do you, is it, is it just brewery tours for you guys or do you visit oh. venues that, that support craft beer as well? Or is it, uh, you know, barley fields and, and hop farms uh, or are there plans in the future for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great question. And you know, and um, you know, we've had a couple. We do have. We've had had a couple of kids on on tours. But so I guess um, you know, we've got short to you know our short tours. And um, and, and I guess I'll, I'll preface it with where we're at at the moment. Where we're at the moment is we are we are Sydney based. Uh, and in October, uh, the first week in October, we run our first tours in Canberra. Um, we launch we launch down there, and we're working very closely with Visit Canberra and the and the venues down there to get going. And in, in November, um, we'll expand north um, uh, to Newcastle and Hunter Valley. But each of those places have the same sort of our same offering in terms of brewery tours. So we've got sort of sort of what we call our three and three hours, which is a short, fast, loud tour, short of time. Uh, you know, mainly geared towards locals who are, as I said, short of time or tourists. It's, it's travellers. And that's get them inside the beer scene, tasting, and not necessarily so tech tech uh, tech heavy. Um, and then our longer tours uh, are definitely more tech heavy. We always start with a really in-depth behind-the-scenes tour so we can get all that tech stuff out of the way. And then we, we soften it off the rest of the day, you know, and that'll be visit to a couple more breweries and venues uh, for lunches that are craft venues or support local beer. And that way what we can do is, you know, those people who want technical can have technical at every venue. If they want those people that just want to enjoy themselves can have a bit of tech up the front and then soften it down the back. One Interestingly, one of our biggest sellers has become uh, what we call our Axes and Ales tour. So up here and, and down in Melbourne pretty soon, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing called Maniacs, which is an axe throwing range. You know, you can go along and, and, and take these sharp axes and, and throw them into wooden, into wooden targets. And, you know, um, the boys up here tried to get it licensed, but obviously, you know, the nanny state doesn't allow that. But in Canada, um, you can actually go like 10-bin bowling. You can have a few cans and, and throw some axes. Um, 
So we, we, we do beer, we do cyber axes and then go into beer, but that's become a real popular tool because people are wanting to add a little bit of physicality to the front end and do a bit of competition, you know, his versus her or a bunch of guys, you know, having a bit of a competitive sport and then off for a nice afternoon exploring some beer. Um, and we are, we've been, we've been, I guess, challenging ourselves in terms of, you know, we've, we've, we've established ourselves as beer centric. Do we want to move ourselves outside of beer? Now, you know, I'm not a marketer's elbow, but the marketer inside me tells me that we are missing part of the market if we're a tourism business. Because much to my disgust, I started this business thinking it was a beer, beer business. What it turns out is there's actually a tourism business with a, a beer motif or a beer bent. Um, we've, we're lucky enough in Sydney. We have an urban winery um, with Alex Latif. He's brewing, uh, he's making wine just around the corner from our office. So we've started doing beer and wine tours and in the future we'll do beer, wine and um, uh, spirits tours. Um, I'd love to go get the BWS name, but that's probably not possible in any... In any I think um, it's taken. I'll just have a look uh, on the internet, but yeah. I think it's taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, who knows? It might be owned by a little small business that want to get rid of it. Who knows? But um, You never know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, so just expanding ourselves. But the way we way we do that is it's all about showcasing or, or representing the parallels and contrasts in the in the production process you know so what does it take to make good beer what does it take to make good wine what does it take to make good spirits what are the similarities and differences in that and and being able to talk people through an experience or guide them through an experience which 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 closely maps and tells stories around that so we're not becoming the wine we'll never be a wine tour business that you know just cut people up and down the highway and drops them off at a cellar door that's not what we do and there's no value in that for us or our guests um it's got to be about telling the story and and getting more involved in in supporting our local producers mate one of the things that has always it's something that i've long grappled with is that you know you see shows and shows and shows and there's always a show on about wine and they often cover the same ground you, know, you go to the vineyard, you go to see the winemaker, you see people stomping grapes, you see this sort of thing, and yet there is this seemingly inexhaustible appetite for information about wine. Um, but beer just doesn't have that attraction for television audiences, but people do seem to want to jump on a bus and go around and, and visit the breweries. What is it, what is it that, is, that is being surrounded by the stainless steel and, and being in the venue that as a live thing that captures it, that just doesn't seem to translate well to television. Yeah, I guess, you know, if you could smell or taste your telly, you'd, it, we'd, we'd have more interest. I, I, could, you know, I don't know. Um, wineries always, or vineyards always in these nice rolling hills and gr- lush green lands that people get all romantic about and then they, you know, they, they connect that, ro- you know, wine to romance, I suppose. Um, beer you know, like it or not, has always for a long time been the lowest common denominator in the, in the I guess, the booze spectrum. Um, and it, I, I don't know, I think it suffers and it, and it does suffer from that, you know, it's, well, it's beer, you know, it's, it's, it's beer. Well, why would I, what's, what about beer do I need to go and see? Um, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, you know, I'd, li- I'd like to see a TV show about beer and, you know, I'd, I won't lie and say that we haven't, you know, at least had those ideas and put and pitched it to 
Yes, sorry, mate. Um, and and pitched it to a couple of interested entities because I think there is a a um, uh, I think there is uh, something there. Um, and but then I've got to you know like the three of us we get excited about going and sitting inside a production environment and and seeing it close up and tasting you know the the um, the beer that's produced there. Does a hype does that mean a hype of other people are going to want to watch it on telly? I don't know. I'd, I'd got to have a bit of faith and think. Well, there's got to be a, a population of people that would, um, if only on YouTube. Yeah, and, and it's just been a question that you know, people do seem to love to go and sit in a brewery and uh, you know just see the stainless, but it, it's not something that translates to the small screen where you know people will still go to wineries and uh, you know. I know that there's something about going down the driveway and all of the, the, the vineyards and all of that sort of thing and being surrounded. In, but not a lot happens at the winery, um, you know, for 11 months a year. 11 months a year, exactly. And I think, you know, I actually, you know, and this is a conversation we can probably have offline because I'm sure we've got a myriad of ideas and, and know all these places around Australia that would make for some great TV. Um, it's the characters behind it. It's the stories. It's the... You know, the local two dudes who got together and, yeah, they started with the idea of brewing beer in their backyard and they got to a point where they won a couple of homebrew competitions and, and one was generally dissatisfied at work and the other one was going to stay at work for a while and then they opened the brewery and two days before they opened the brewery, they couldn't, they, you know, they realised that they haven't got glassware because they got $13 in the bank. They are, that's great story. That, that's great television. Um, and they're great characters and I think that's what people need to see and I if we do anything uh, in terms of our tours and what's important to us and what we, uh, how we train our staff and um, is about telling the story behind the steel, um, you know, showing the differences in how to, in how beer is brewed in different places and different factories around the countryside is one thing, but people connect to that character story. Um, there's, they've got to be able to get an emotional connection between what's in their glass and, and, how, and who's making it. And, um, and I think that's, where, that's what success for a beer tourism business is about. It's about being able to take people on a journey that's not just about steel after steel after steel. Um, it's, the, it's the character journey or the characters that make up the local scene. And if you can, take, if you can get that right, um, I think you've got a winning product in whichever city or country you want to do it in. Yeah, I would just... It, it, it's confusing that people don't have a deeper you know we, we love beer and it's almost that beer is commonplace and it goes back to those it goes back to wine being made you know 11 months uh, you know nothing happening at the winery for 11 months and then suddenly you know those grapes can turn into one vintage a year whereas beer can be made and tweaked and constantly um you know is is the, the breweries are constantly living working things which almost gives beer that day-to-day thing um Oh, and then the flip side is that beer seems to be the most um, social of beverages and it doesn't stand too much uh, of, of that romance or that pretense and that sort of, you know. Um, but do, do you find that people coming on the tours are looking for, you know, the Bucks Party experience or do you think people are coming along and looking to have that deeper interest and it's not just about getting shit-faced with your mates it is about learning and appreciating and understanding the brewers approach to, to beer making oh there's you know there's definitely the groups of people out there that just want to go and get shit-faced um and we 
are very unapologetic in, in the language we use up the front on our website and what we do and what we don't do. Um, because, um, but, but happily, in saying that, there, you know, while I say there are definitely people that want to do that, happily for us, there are far outweighed by people that want to go in and appreciate and understand and, and, in, and enjoy it the way we think it should be enjoyed. And so what we do is we, you know, no one wants to deal with a bunch of group people and no one wants to deal with a bunch of drunk um, blokes generally, um, you know, uh, at a Bucks party. So we, what we've done is we've, we've used fairly, very descriptive, you know, what we do at front end. You know, if you're a Bucks party looking for this, you're going to have a bad time with us. We're going to have a bad time with you. Let's not, let's not not be friends. I've got a number of a dude who's got a bus who hoses it out at the end of the day and, you know, you can do what you want. But, guys, I'll, I'll let you know that um, you're probably going to be struggling to get your group of 40 blokes into a brewery because the breweries don't want you there either. Um, you know, and that's not elitist. It's just, it's just facts. Um, so we, we weed them out. Um, a lot, and it's simply because one, I don't want our guides to have a bad time. I don't want the public to have a bad time, and I don't want the breweries to to think oh, Dave's just bringing a bunch of drunk people in every Saturday. That's just no fun for anyone. So if that means we don't get to serve that group of twenty or thirty dudes, um, yeah, um, that's just life, you know. Um, the the public. There's nothing worse than going somewhere and being dragged around and not having a good time. If you want to, if, if that's what they want to do, there's other people that can do that, and um, and off they go. So, yeah, I, look, I think it's in a, and I think that's healthy. I, I really think that's healthy, and I think it's healthy for the for the breweries. It's healthy for the people that you know that you know. It sounds contradictory, but I think it's more healthy for them to go and do what they want to do in the environments they want to do it in, rather than try to shoehorn that because the buck likes craft beer or he wants you know, bought a, a you know, a, um, a, a craft beer somewhere so they think it'll be a great idea because the breweries, I know, just hate it. Um, so, yeah. Dave, one of the other, uh, I guess, strings to the bow of Dave's brewery tours that's that's popped up recently that I've had uh, a little bit of involvement with is through both Gabs in Melbourne and Brisbane, you've crafted uh, or pulled together uh, a group of smaller brewers who perhaps, uh, you know, in regular economic circumstances wouldn't be able to have their own stand, a brewery stand at Gabs. And you've, you've put together, a, I guess, you know, brewer's backyard, inverted commas kind of thing. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. That's... Um... So that's uh, and that's morphed into probably into Dave's events, um, and that that originally started out of us wanting to go to Gabs ourselves in Melbourne and and thinking, well, you know, we we really should get more representation from some of our New South Wales breweries, and so it was. It was simply as you explain it, Prof. It's a brewer's backyard, and and it's a way of making it more economically viable for a brewery to go and get exposure to these, you know, to the to the event itself and to the wider industry and then be able to pour beers for the public and showcase what they do. And we've had breweries um, over a couple of years that we've been doing it and at smaller festivals where they say, look, or ordinarily we look at these things as a marketing exercise. You don't make any money of it. You don't go in thinking you're going to make money of it. It's just about how much it costs you to be there and how successful it is. We've had a, you know, some breweries saying because we collaborated, um, it was actually a, a break-even and a, you know, or a, um, a, posit- a profit- profitable um, exercise. We, 
um, so we, I think the first year we did it with, uh, I think a, a, a dozen breweries this year, we, we stretched ourselves and had 12 breweries. Um, we've, we've looked at that model. We'll probably, we'll scale it back in, in a way, um, and be more focused so we can give the breweries that do contribute more, um, more signage, more real estate to be able to showcase themselves. Uh, and the other thing that we did last year was we actually brought together, um, a group of other beer tourism businesses around the country and was promoting that there is beer tourism. So that was the whole idea around that. Whether it translated well enough um, in Melbourne, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, the idea was to say, look, guys, you can come and see all these great breweries around the country, and one of the best ways to do that is by coming on a, on a tour because it's, you know, you'll learn stuff, you'll have a great time, and, and you'll be safe while doing it. And that's now, as I said, it's morphed into today's events, and we've got a, another business that, that is about so the tours are about taking people to beer days events was born out of wanting to take beer to more people so into corporate environments into festivals um and moving into bigger festivals as needed so it's more economically viable for the breweries to to get on board so there's like for example if you've got um um like vivid or or trop fest or um fringe festivals you know the same old, same old. If they want a beer partner, it's the same old, same old. It's the big brands or it's the bigger of the local craft brewers and good on them for being there and be able to afford to do that. We see a position or an opportunity to be able to say, dudes, um, we've got a we've got a professional group of event planners and organisers in day's events. Um, we can manage the event. We'll make sure that your brand gets exposure and gets out there and, and hopefully you can make, make better money than doing it on your own. Uh, and that's where that came from. So, mate, we, we, we've heard a lot about uh, what you've done in the, in the expansion. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've got planned. I believe that you're sitting down by the uh, Sydney Opera House today, bumping in for an event. Yeah, yeah, much to all the other dudes discussed, they're um, busy building away. We've, um, yeah, we're, we're sitting, I'm actually looking at the Opera House right now at the overseas passenger terminals. And this is, I guess I said to my wife when I walked out the door today, this is an event. Today is... Um, today is one of those examples of what the last three years of, you know, building something has been about and the, the stress and the, you know, the no pay packet um, lifestyle has been about. Um, and so what we're doing here is we're, we're working with Destination New South Wales and the state government to uh, showcase six local breweries to the cruise industry. So the cruise industry are having their 20th annual conference here over the next couple of days, and uh, tonight we're um, we're forming part of, um, I guess, food and I hate saying food and wine, uh, but food and drink showcase. And uh, when we were asked by Destination New South Wales to be able to come and do that, and um, we thought, well, you know, instead of putting it on ourselves, let's let's get six of our brewers here, and uh, and they put on beers. And so this is about showing off what we do, but the big upside to this or the big potential here is um, procurement opportunities. So this is about putting breweries in front of decision makers in the cruise industry um, who make decisions around what beers go on boats. And that's the big effort for that and the big push that we're doing today. Awesome. So what do you think is going to come out of it? Because, uh, you know, I've had uh, some dealings with cruise lines in the past and, you know, they're a lot like some of the big hotel chains that um, 
you know, they like to deal with maybe one supplier and you know, get the cheapest possible price and a nice healthy rebate or um, you know, a nice upfront check in order to uh, you know, stock that one beer. And I think most of the cruise lines are dealing with CUB at the moment. Um, do, do you think that you've got much chance of getting uh, some of those cruise lines, the, the big cruise lines, or is it more the boutique cruise lines? Oh, the bigger ones, yeah, are probably, are, are, um, paradoxically, are, are more price-driven than the boutique lines. But the, the conversations we've had to date directly with cruise lines um, are that they want to start shifting, you know, everything everything that's local, local produce, local this, local local experiences, um, is is hot uh, in tourism. So the big the big the big market in tourism is is experiential travel and a lot of that is now a lot of travelers are demanding um, locally sourced produce so the, I guess my confidence is re- relatively buoyant in that a precedent has been set you know we've got Lord Nelson beers on I think it's carnival cruise lines um, and a couple of the the cruise lines that we spoke to directly have said yep yeah, that's the way they will be moving to is to be able to say that this beer you know this boat that departed Sydney for a 10-day cruise up the East Coast is stocking all New South Wales beers. And lo and behold, when they dock in Brisbane and then t- take off from Brisbane to New Mia, it's Queensland beers. Um, now, whether they can actually logistically or will do that, we don't know. So our job is to, is to do our best, to put our best foot forward, um, put breweries and beers in front of them that we think will be, that represent the, you know some of the best in New South Wales, but also... Um, the breweries that can be able to supply to a, a cruise line in the volumes and at uh, in the timeframes that they are looking for. So and at the consistency, not, a, not an easy, yeah, not a, not an easy challenge, you know, and not and as you know, you know, not every brewery packages. Um, so you know, um, it, we've got some challenges around that. But I guess I live in a I live in a perpetual state of everything's possible. So um, let's you know let's. We can't have that conversation if we're not there. So let's be there um, and let's showcase it the best way we can and, and hopefully something comes out of it from there. So, um, you know, and it, you, it's... Well, I can't complain. I'm working down by the opera house for the day. <laughs> but, mate, that's <laughs> no, a mission. That, that's a mission that really resonates with me. I was in Sydney uh, earlier this year and uh, was staying at the Sofitel. It wasn't on my dime. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was a guest. And it wasn't beer-related either, so there's no conflict. But you, know, you walk in, the Sofitel is a hotel that really prides itself on providing that experience and being very upmarket and very boutique. And then you're sort of standing in the lifts and the lifts shut and there's a full-door advertisement for the champagne brand that they're flogging. And then you walk into the, to the bar and um, you know it was a list that was completely run by Lion. You know, so they'd on one hand, they want to talk about offering a boutique and you know, luxury experience, and on the other hand, they you know that there's this um, dissonance between what they're promising and what they're offering because they just give the list to a to a big brewer, and you know it would be great to see more and more uh, you know uh, businesses actually offering that level of choice and that level of you know local um, selection when it comes to even things like beer, which is traditionally even restaurants that have had a great wine list have tended to go, oh, shit, it's only beer. It doesn't matter you know, what we put on. And, you know, and that's where we're finding um, take-up and, and excitement and, and enthusiasm around our events business is we've got corporates. Um, so we, we went and 
uh, went to a, you know the the meeting show. So the meetings and events industry had their conference and showcase a couple of weeks ago in Sydney, and and we put on the bar, um, we put on the bar there, and you know we were voted the number one stand. Now in in a in in a in an environment and um, or surrounded by very high techs, you know, bloody chip enabled swipe cards and you know these ncis type big massive screens where you can get um live user interactions in conferences and all this sort of stuff we were the most low-tech thing there um but we were the most popular because what what event organizers and corporates you know you know the 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 christmas party or the the mid-year function or the you know the, the agm of a large corporate who organises that? The EA or the PA? What do they do? They go. Oh, they get told. Let's get some craft beer. Let's get some local beer. What do they do? They run down to Uncle Dan's. They get the first thing that looks like craft beer or what they've been told or what they've seen on a billboard. And when was the last time you saw a, a small local independent brewery on a billboard? You know. So we all know where they what, what they gravitate to or what they select. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's that's fine. But what we're finding now is to be able to you know like the beers that we put on that two weeks ago each one of those beers was brewed within 10 kilometers of that event and what we try to do when we go to we go to melbourne we go to brisbane we go to perth to do these things we always pick beers that are local we always um try to get it within a 10 or 15k radius because that blows people's minds they, they just say one they have a taste of a beer they've never had before and then they, and then they say then they then they hear you say oh this was brewed no more than 10 minutes away if you wanted to go there right now you could like you're kidding i said no you know you should have this at your next event and we get signed up all the time because they want that experience they want to wow their delegates they want to wow their boss or they want to wow their clients um and you know i don't know you me and and matt i'm sure are the same we'd say what's more wowing than local fresh beer poured directly on tap in your office exactly testify (laughs) <laughs> what those? It, yeah. Can I get an amen? You know, so yeah. I, I think it's I, I think I think it's beholden on all of us to to help enlighten the marketplace in any way, shape, or form of what local independent craft beer is, and and that it's there, it's there to be chosen, um, and people should, you know, um, as much as possible support a local business. You know, that's what it's all about. Um, and I, look, you know, it's early days in the event stuff for us, but it's. We've, you know, it's it's scarily uh, we're scarily happy with it. So it's it's in a good place, and I think because we we have such a good product range, you know, we're we just we're here to push uh, the local beers, and because the local beers are, are good, they're interesting, the local, um, it makes our job a hell of a lot easier. Awesome. Well, um, Dave, there's just one last question that we uh, we ask as a result of a uh, listener who sent it in. Um, and it's Pacey's poser, and that is, what if, if you were to go back and start all over again, is there anything that you would do differently, or what's the one thing that you would do differently and think, geez, I really uh, should do it this way? I won't try and put a shiny spin on it. It's it's been hard. It's um, you know breaking ground in in beer tourism. You know, before we started, Scotty down with Aussie Brewery Tours is probably the only other person doing it. And um, you know what, I, I probably wouldn't have. I probably would have wouldn't have spent so much time thinking about how to expand interstate. Um, I would have spent more time on developing those relationships um, and and working that partnership, and and that's now you know starting to yield good results um, in in that. And I would have just doubled down. That would have enabled me to double down my efforts 
in Sydney, um, I probably would have started the events businesses uh, business a bit a bit sooner um, because there is a, a there is a corporate need there. Um, yeah, it's um, you know we were at, we're at twelve staff now across the group and and we're a happy we're we're, we're a happy bunch. Um, and I'm you know I, I think I got off the tools at about the right time and uh, ina- that enabled the business to take a step up, um, you know, and I think, I don't know, man, I think I'm bumbling with that one. You know, I would have done a couple of things different, but I, I guess I would have tried to take a bit of stress off my fam- my, 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 my wife, you know, um, how we would Dave, have Dave, I reckon, you, I reckon you might have just sure. touched on one of the crucial areas and that is uh, knowing when to let go. Um, knowing that at some point you've got to become, as you say, get off the tools. It, 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 you've got to uh, trust other people with your vision um, so that you mm. can kind of sit on top and, and oversee, you know, uh, the whole thing. Uh, I think a lot of people like or, or think they need to keep micromanaging um, when, in fact, uh, put the right person in, in place and, and all you need is for them to just sort of report back to you that everything's going well once a month. We've got some. We've got an awesome group of people, and you know what? Um, we we were in a process of, of documenting stuff and getting our getting our shit in order, um, and then Canberra came up. The opportunity for Canberra came up, so that really pushed us to to formalise things, put a lot of policy and process down on paper, and basically be in a position to be able to hand our local partner a days in a box. Here you go, mate. We've done a lot of the legwork. We've got a lot of the relationships in place. You can now go and leverage that, and you know um, Shane hits the ground running in Canberra with with tours on the board. Shannon in Newcastle will hit the hit the ground with tours on the board. So it, it it's it's enabled us to take a bigger vision or, 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 or enact on that vision. You know, where as I said to you before, you know, today when I woke up this morning, this is one of those days that the last three years is going to make worthwhile. Later this month, we've you know, and and I think this is testament to where the state wants to go and where tourism is going and where beer tourism in general is going. You know, we've been invited to go and sit. Um, uh, we've been invited by the Premier's office and the and um, the Minister for Tourism to you know, form up their working panel for how will food and drink tourism contribute to their vision of 2020, which is, you know, tourism being a major driver of the Australian economy. So, that is validation that we've got something and we've done the hard yards and now we can contribute at a greater level to bring more value to more people. Being able to be, you know, being in, we got invited, we've been invited to go and speak at the inaugural International Beer Tourism and Marketing Conference next year in the States um, and be able to tell stories about what we've done and what the condition of the Australian market. You know, to be able to go and talk about beer tourism and marketing at a global level only opens up more relationships. It brings more people down to us. It enables us to enact on some of those plans we've got about over or at what we call our outbound tours. You know, we've we've been working on some itineraries into the into the states and into Europe and into um, Japan, and we would hope we are hoping that they will be on offer and on sale for travel in seventeen eighteen. But I'll tell you what, if you can get those up, there have been a lot of um, you know I've been approached probably three or four times by you know. Uh, 
travel agents who have wanted to do it. And I know our good friend Paul Mercurio um, has lent his name to a tour that didn't get off the ground. And again, people will travel and spend a fortune for wine tours, but beer tourism doesn't seem to have been one of those things that have... Uh, and I think you've been invited to Prof to host a tour. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a couple that have, that have tried and failed. So uh, yeah, if you... If, I did, if, we... Sorry, Prof, go for it. No, 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 no you go. go. I was just going to say, so uh, yes, yeah, so if you get that up, that would be awesome. Well, you know, I think what I've learned is, you know, and we've probably had, we've had probably similar discussions with similar people and their view on the value we had, they all say that they're the big travel agency and they've got the marketing reach. Um, all they want from us is to lend our name on it and cart 25 people around Belgium for two weeks and, and payment for that is a free trip to Belgium. Um, you know, my view is, well, if I'm going to go to Belgium and enjoy beer, I'll go by myself, thanks. Um, <laughs> but... You know, if we we are we are that's one of our plans is we we do have plans for outbound tours. We're starting with extended weekend tours around around Australia, which is you know it's a challenge. Our first one, it's um, you know we 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 unfortunately I'm not a father um, myself, and I didn't realise it was Father's Day. So um, our first one was a bit of a false start, but you got to learn from that and then uh, and then uh, and then carry on. So the our steps or our progressions are around Australian extended beer tourism for locals and also being attractive to inbound beer tourists to be able to take them on a bit of an Australian beer journey. And, you know, we get a lot of interest from industry, overseas beer industry players who want to come and have uh, a beer experience. Yeah, they're coming to Australia to understand Australian beer and see Australian beer um, industry. So there is a market there. Um, and we're just saying, well, Naturally, we like to travel. We like to explore. Um, we know there are people that want to do that, and we think there's a market there. Uh, and so we're taking steps to become our own travel agency so we don't have to rely on, on those bigger agencies that really don't want anything other than, you know, um, Matt's name on something, Prof's name on something, Paul's name on something, or mine. So, um, you know, I think we should... There's a conversation, boys. We need to get off the phone and start talking about doing international tours together. Oh, mate, I'm heading off uh, on Tuesday for Oktoberfest uh, for research purposes, so I'll report back. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, thanks very much for, for joining us. It's been a great chat. Um, I'd have to get down to Sydney and do one of the tours. Uh, maybe Prop and I can record on the back of the bus. Oh, absolutely, boys. I'd love to have you in place. I, I, love, I love what you guys do. I think you... Um, I love your work, your gold. So um, anytime you guys are in Sydney and, and want to get out and about and have a look, um, you know, it's on me and, and I'd love to catch up for a beer. Cheers. That sounds great, done mate. And done. Look forward to catching up with you. Thanks, boys. Take it easy. Have a good day. In the garden. What a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There you go, Prof. Uh, that was Dave Phillips. Great chat. Mate, uh, it, we were very lucky to get some time with him. Very busy guy. Exactly. And, uh, mate, it's, 
I'm trying to think uh, who it was at the Craft Brewers Conference in Brisbane uh, back in July who made the comment. I'm not sure whether it was the keynote or the uh, the, the opening speaker who said, um, you know, with so many breweries coming into the industry, um, you know, there's only so much room for um, breweries to survive. Um, and it, it's the businesses that support the, the, the beer industry that uh, probably have an even brighter future than the, the breweries. And Dave certainly sees onto that and he's doing some great stuff. Yeah, exactly. That was um, the, the keynote speaker, Steve, from... Um, uh, I was going to say Dragon's Den, but it's the other uh, Shark Tank. Now, was he the keynote or was he the opening speaker? Because the keynote was the fellow from the uh, Brewers Association. Uh, yeah, there was Dick Cantwell was Dick Cantwell, the yeah. wasn't the he the, second. Well, the second, second day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think they were both the keynote. Okay. Yeah. I think you can have two keynotes, can't you? Can you? I, I would have right. one for one for the Wednesday, one for Thursday. Okay. Okay. Yes, one to wear and one to spare. So I oh, know, but anyway, and, and look, and since then, I don't know um, since we've spoken to Dave, um, he also he didn't mention during the thing because he probably didn't know it at the time. Um, but he's heading OS, I think, to um, represent uh, or to to be involved in a, a conference, I think, on on beer tourism. Awesome, awesome, actually. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, I mean, we've seen, I think you've been approached and I've been approached and, you know, guys like our friends of the show, like Paul Mercurio, have been approached to run tours um, you know, in, in, in beer tourism, um, overseas tours um, in, in beer tourism. I'm still, I'm still a little bit in two minds, you know, guys will go out and do a day tour um, or, you know, you'll, you'll do a work function and those sorts of things. Whether beer still has the... Um, pulling power to put together, you know, thirty people travelling overseas to, to to visit breweries. Um, when so much, you know, for example, wine tourism, um, it's often a husband and a wife will go because that's something that they can do together. And you know, wine is a little bit more, you know, husband and wife than beer, which has a perception, at least for now, of being quite blokey. Um, what, what do you know, what do you think? Do you think? Uh, I... Yeah, I, I think personally too, it's something that. It's easier for you to, I guess, self-drive or to, to, you know, work out, plan amongst you and say, oh, look, I'm going to spend a couple of days in this town or this region and I'll pop out to, you know, these couple of breweries if I miss one, no drama. Whereas I think having it all planned out for you, mapped out and and, and an upfront cost, um, I think is maybe the – because, again, you know, you you might be wanting to go with some mates and, you know, oh, I really want to – you and I want to go to Schlenkela. And somebody else says, I don't really like smoke beers. Well, fine, you go across the road and, you know, we'll meet you for lunch. Um, but, you know, pork, knuckle and sauerkraut. Yeah. Although, I mean, the, 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 we're not – as everyone knows, I've just been overseas and, you know, like you're doing a self-guided tour somewhere and then suddenly you see the tour group walking along with the tour guide out the front with the stick with the uh, thing so everyone can follow them. And the Australian flag. Yeah. yeah. And, you're so, and, you know, there's – that, that, that sort of hater in all of us that sort of goes, oh, yeah, why the fuck would you do that? You know, just why would you just go do your own thing? But a lot of people, you know, for, for... Can I tell you, can I tell you, Matt, one of my most memorable um, memories from my trip um, Last with the family a uh, year before now um, was my two girls pretending to be um, American so they wouldn't be mistaken for Australians because we were sitting in the town square in, in Bumberg and it was just beautiful. We're eating bratwurst and and drinking beer and enjoying the um, you know the passing parade. And there was an APT, um, a group of Australian, uh, I'll, I'll say over sixties, 
um, doing a, a you know a, a historical sort of tour, and they we bumped into them into the souvenir shop and whatever. Anyway, they launched into the most tuneless version of Waltzing Matilda uh, as part of their think they they obviously did it every day, you know, at a certain place. And yeah, my two girls just pretended they weren't Australian just for that twenty minutes. <laughs> so that was enough to put me off. The, the tour things. I, I think perhaps um, promoters and, uh, you know, people offering those sorts of things maybe need to look at incorporating beer into, um, you know, perhaps a, a food and cultural exactly. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. thing so, rather than, than making it. I, I, I just think time and time again we've, it's been proven that perhaps, you know, it's not, not what's required now. Yeah. And I think too, with your local stuff, yeah, sure. You've got um, Ben's Brewery Tours, you've got Dave's Brewery Tours, you've got um, Aussie Brewery Tours with Scotty Dewar. We're pretty well A couple well of guys on the Gold Coast have uh, started doing the same. Yep, the, the, hop on bus the Hop tours. On, yep. hop on Tours is the other one I was trying to think of the name of. Um, that I think is great for, like you say, doing that. We'll, we'll do a day or we'll do an afternoon or whatever it might be without having the worry of having to drive or, you know, one person being the, you know, the designated driver who has to watch all these mates having a really good time. And um, so I, I think that's maybe, you know, think local. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on that, that's one of the things I see as being the key driver. Whilst it's a hard sell to get people to travel to, um, you know, visit breweries or whatever, um, you know, the, the, the beer just tastes fresher, particularly when you're looking at the delicate styles um, or, you know, the, the styles that really do need to be consumed fresh. I would much rather see people, um, you know, for, forego them and not have that watered-down experience they get when they, they're sent, um, you know, a couple of thousand kilometres in a shipping container. You know, have it fresh in the place that it's brewed, around the chimney of the brewery, and, and, and enjoy it the way that it's meant to be. Even if it means you don't, you, know, you only get to try it the once, um, you know, beer is a little bit different to wine. You know, you need to travel to the beer to, to really uh, get that sense of terroir. Yeah, yeah. So, um, speaking of you know, cards and letters, music there, Lockie. Paperback Beautiful. Beautiful. I like that one. Now, speaking of. Um, you know, industries that are set up, Prof, we must get probably half a dozen media releases a week um, about, uh, you know, different, the, the, the latest gimmick or the latest thing that's been invented um, to support, you know, whether it's um, growler kegs or, you know, different ways of uh, pouring your beer or storing your beer or opening your beer or chilling your beer. Um, a, a correspondent um, who was asked to remain nameless um, who did a uh, one of the crowdfunding um, for a, a new gimmick is written in um, or a new um, product product um, sorry yeah, that, that was product and product and or service that, that was a, a little bit pejorative wasn't it um, and he invested in the draft top um, so everyone knows the colonial beer cans where you pull them off and you can drink the Beer straight from the open top of the can. Yeah, the, the three sixty or the or the Rupplud. Yep. As uh, Andrew Childs uh, from Behemoth Brewing or Cher Brewing um, refers to them as. Hmm. So it's designed to capture the you know, 
convenience of having a can and, and all the benefits of having a can, but also getting the vessel where you can actually get some of the aroma. Um, and so a product has arrived um, called the Draft Top, which apparently is designed to turn every can of beer into a uh, 360. Um, uh, and he's given it a test run. Um, and this correspondent says, in my opinion, it's a good option for craft beer geeks who want to take beers camping or boating or adventure where it's impractical to pour your beer into a glass. Other than those occasions, I can't see myself using it. Uh, I wouldn't use it at home and probably wouldn't take it on a plane or a festival. Um, yeah. So it's about, uh, I'm trying to picture, is it a, like it's a can opener, basically? It's basically a can opener. You, you sort of roll but it, it will... on the top and takes the, 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 the... Well, actually, there's a bit of a description. So without leaving a sharp edge, presumably. Yeah. Um, I, well, that, that's the thing. I tested it on a Pirate Life throwback, and it was definitely a good experience drinking from the can without the lid, as it allowed the hop aroma out there uh, to the nose before taking mouthful. The lid didn't remove completely, so it was pushed into the beer itself. There is no easy way to remove the lid from oh, the beer, okay. so it's probably better this way than to have it floating on top of the beer. Well, I'd, yeah, which would kind of defeat the purpose. It did froth up and leak a bit when the pressure was released, so I think next time I'll open the can as per normal, remove the lifting tab. And then, and, yeah, yeah. Yep. This will also help remove. You know what? I, I can't help think it'd be a lot easier just to get a plastic cup. I'd have, I, I'm with you. So or you know, a, panic, a, a pannikin, you know, a ceramic. Uh, tea mug you know billy tea mug um to take with you because you as i've been to plenty of and done plenty of beer tastings where look you know we don't have the option of having glassware because we've got you know six different beers and 120 people you know, psh, no worries you go down to lombards and you get some nice play you know they're not as nice but you know we've all been to beer festivals we've all been to places where you've, you've had a drink out of plastic and it's you know it beats beaten out of the can or out of the bottle yeah, and look, you know, Prof, we talk um, in, in all of our classes, we talk long uh, and you know, detailed about the benefits of drinking from a glass and it's a sensory experience, it's not just the, the, the flavour and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, and I, I nearly um, Instagrammed a picture yesterday, I've, I've got a mountain of beer that um, cropped, that was sent to me to try while I was overseas and uh, I came home from a run this afternoon, I was sweating, I was hot, had a dog can of dog days in the fridge and, uh, you know... Ordinarily, I'd pour it into a glass, but I, I drank it straight from the can because that you was... You solo manned it. Yeah, well, not quite. No, I, I drank it. Didn't dribble it down your chin. No, 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 no none of that. Not deliberately. Um, and uh, yeah, and look, it, was, it, it still struck me actually how um, aromatically hoppy it was. So it didn't completely kill the, the, the flavour of it, but... Yeah. You know, no, I, did, I did exactly the same the day before, only I paid for mine, and um, I thought they were absolute crackers. Yeah, but um, you know. a really good, a really good beer, and I think um, although I did have the option of being able to um, pour it into a glass, uh, but yeah, the the aromatics on that I reckon absolutely nailed it. It's beautiful, a lovely, lovely beer. But um, you're sort of taking me away from my point, Prof. You're uh, trying to you, you're trying to distract me. Sorry, right. we're supposed <laughs> to be doing cards and letters, and you're reading out media releases. I don't know. It wasn't a media release. It was a, it was a letter from a listener who had oh, okay. bought it and tried it and reviewed it for us. Got it. There you go. So it doesn't have to. You know, it doesn't always have to be a review of us, Prof. You know, we're not no, that. No, no. Anyway, but the yeah. So you know, yes. What, what's your point, Matt? Yes, drinking a beer from a uh, glass is normally the best way. But if you're at a music festival or on a plane, sometimes the music festival is the point of you being there. And yes, you want to have a good beer. But yeah, I, I just sort of think, uh, as our producer Lockie would say, the uh, draft top. It doesn't sound like the uh, juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. So. Um, in other news, uh, let me see, Michael O'Shea, uh, who's a listener. Uh, hi, guys. Listen to your latest podcast today. Let me tell you that you were missed during a break. Oh, that's very nice, uh, Michael. 
I was checking iTunes regularly, waiting for the download. I was looking forward to having some uh, Radio Brews News postcards from Germany, but I figured Matt was way too busy enjoying himself at Oktoberfest to get on the show while you're away. Pretty much, yeah, that and the time difference. Um, and being over in Germany, enjoying all that great beer, who could blame him? Uh, Matt, no dramas, missing a couple of weeks. Glad to hear that you had a great time, and I look forward to hearing some of your stories about the trip soon. Mike, Mick O'Shea. Oh, Mick, thank you very much for that. It's nice to hear. Mate, that's a little bit nicer than the... Guys, where the hell have you been? Emails that we sometimes get. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mick, Mick will never know. Never, never, you'll never know what he missed, unfortunately. James and I got some absolute bruised news gold. No, mate, in the, I'll, cutter, I'll, I'll, in the cutting room floor. I'll see if I can uh, get them working because uh, there were some technical problems. I'll see if I can uh, sort them out and uh, we, we can post some little bits and pieces in. Um, did, and uh, maybe we, we could have a Radio Bruise News survivor and uh, one of us gets voted off the island if. Uh, <laughs> If, if James takes it, takes over, maybe he can do that. So, um, okay. Uh, oh, this one's uh, headlined "Letter of Demand," which uh, generally gets my attention. Uh, but Matt O'Keefe, um, who's a regular correspondent and uh, listener, um, he's just letting us know he's transferred from Patreon to PayPal. Thank you very much. And uh, listeners, don't forget, if you do like the show, you can support us financially and buy Peter beer by you know maybe making a one-off donation uh, through PayPal uh, or uh, even having a uh, regular um, chip, you know, chip in of 5 or $10. Um, details are in the show notes. Um, but he says, in terms of guests, he's mentioned it before, and apologies um, if you've considered them. But in terms of interview, I'd love to hear from Mick Bannenberg, beer advertising legend, or Andrew Bailey, home uh, beer historian legend, both of whom are definitely on our um, uh, you know, wish, wish list, list and we'll be teeing them up very, very soon. Uh, keep up the good work, uh, both of you. Um, and Matt, you know you've made it uh, in life when Oktoberfest is a tax write-off, precisely. <laughs> so thank you very much, Matt O'Keefe. And uh, Prof, I believe you might even have a uh, card or letter this week. Nope. No, you just read it out. Oh. I didn't realise that James... Yeah, it was the same. It was the one from Mick O'Shea. Yeah. Mm. Right, okay. Um, so, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Oh, that's right. Um, no, there's no reviews on uh, iTunes this week to read out, but don't forget, if you do like the show, uh, no doubt you're listening to it while you're out and about. When you are back in front of your computer, uh, please help us out to and jump on and you know, leave a review. It can be a good one, it can be a bad one, um, whatever. But uh, yeah, please leave, uh, leave a review and help other people find us. And uh, traffic is certainly increasing as we uh, are more regular. And uh, certainly people are loving the guests that we've got. So if you like the guests and the guys who introduce them, let us know. Uh, anything else, Prof? Have we got anything else? No, that's we... about it. But that's, that's pretty much it. Um, except to say that uh, next week we're hoping to have... We've we've covered malt. We've covered hops. We've covered more than enough brewers. We've covered... Um, journalists and um, that sort of thing. We've never done yeast, Matt. That's in, in what, 108 episodes. That's uh, pretty, well, 108 official episodes. Um, yeah. That's pretty amazing. So, yes, next week we're going to uh, get our yeast on with uh, a, a professional yeast wrangler. Yeah, looking forward to that. So, uh, uh, prof, actually, something, uh, did, did you want to plug anything that you're involved in? At, uh, maybe Temple, for example, for, the, for our Melbourne listeners? Oh, for Melbourne listeners, if you uh, if this gets out in time, Thursday the twenty seventh, so next Thursday, we're uh, <laughs> if this gets launching out in time the front bar test. So um, it's a it's a new concept that I've got. It's a bit of uh, it's a bit of a fun panel based discussion show. It'll be fun and feisty, and um, 
robust discussion and debate in which the panel sort of sorts through issues of the day, uh, as used to be done at, around the front bar. And um, so often nowadays, you know, something comes up and, you know, a, a journalist or, or a commentator will say, oh, you know, that wouldn't pass the, the sniff test or it wouldn't pass the pub test or it wouldn't pass the front bar test. So we thought, well, let's reinvigorate the front bar test. And um, the audience gets to basically decide, you know, um, the validity of the issues. So it should be a bit of fun. Awesome. Uh, the tickets are very limited um, because it's not a, we're not going to pack the space out. We want to make sure everyone's comfortable and has got a, a seat and a table so they can have a feed and have a beer uh, on arrival. And um, it will be a fun night. So, uh, yeah, jump on the website or um, straight to Temple or look me up on, on Fastbook and uh, get the details there. Awesome. I'll get along to that. Um, well, Prof, we might see what Lockie's got lined up uh, in terms of – uh, Oktoberfest music or umpa. It better be better than the bloody Flegel Deagle. You, you don't like the Flegel? Oh, jeez. Really? Was, nah. Nah, sorry, I've, I've got a very broad and eclectic range. Of, but that was that was feeding him. That was that was like Bucks Fizz doing Eurovision for Germany. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it is. But when you put it in front of six thousand people who are all getting in and doing the uh, the, the, the gestures, shit, it's good fun. It's, oh, a, it's got gestures as well, has it? So oh, yeah. Probably, well, it probably loses something in the translation. Um, but the fact that you thought that, you know, the, the Brisbane people think that the chicken dance is um, an Oktoberfest song, I think, yeah, no, anyway. But, but again, there's a reason for that because, you know, when, you, when your first introduction to a culture, as I said, back in 1988 was, this is the Oktoberfest experience and people are doing uh, chicken dance and it was the fun thing that everyone could get up and have a little you bit. Know, you know, Germans do hold a grudge. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, sort of tea, uh, poking that bear. <laughs> you what? You get your German culture from the fucking chicken dance. <laughs> was ist das? So uh, up until the was ist das, I thought you were impersonating Muslim Hajar. Oh, good on you. <laughs> Okay, mate. Talk to you next week. Take care. See you, listeners.